everyone. Thank you guys for tuning in to another fantastic week of Voice of the Fans podcast. I got my man Cleavon calling in from the Northwest. Tonight we got some special guests. By way of Chicago, here in L.A., my man, Clickbait. I got Clickbait <laughs> 1 and Clickbait 2. That's hilarious. Members of, Clickbait the, three? members of the Hoops and Brews podcast, you guys going to hear from them in you guys gonna hear from them in a minute. But what we're gonna talk about is the the last dance, a little recap on the last dance. So I'm very interested to hear what my guys got to say, being that they are from Chicago and we know how to everybody loves the Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan coming from Chicago. We're gonna talk about the return of sports, at least here in Southern California and parts of the country. Um, Cleveland, I know you're still sad and it's not looks pretty bad for you guys up in the northwest. However, Sports is coming back to L.A., so we're excited about that. We're going to talk about this Rooney Rule fiasco. As always, give you this day in history. Cleveland also later in segments, we're going to talk about the top coaches in the NFL right now. I want to give a shout-out to all those listeners listening to to us in Rise Radio, being pumped out of Vegas every Saturday afternoon. Thank you guys for tuning in. And however you're listening to this show, be it Our Heart Radio, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, tune in. We appreciate you guys for tuning in. Each and every week, as you guys know, we want to know who wore the number best, with it being May 20th, 2020, and week 89. We're going to start with the number 20. So we got some numbers in our head. I got some numbers in my head, Pavi and, and Thomas. Who wore number 20 best? Or when you think of the number 20, what comes to your mind? I'll have you go first. Uh, I'm trying to Google. I mean, we had a, a Gordon Hayward wore number 20. Okay. Um, Gordon, wow. Um, who, who, uh, Barry Sanders wore number 20. I mean, Barry a lot Sanders of people did. didn't want number 20, bro. Ray Allen wore number 20. Manu, Manu, Manu. Manu, that's a, Manu's a good one. There you go. Manu's a good one. Who you got, Thomas? I'm going to actually go with um, – I'm going to go with Ray Allen with honorary mention being Jody Meeks. Shut up, man. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> the hoops and clickbait, bro. I clickbait, guys. The hoops and bruises is clickbait, Cleveland, if you ain't noticed already. What's wrong with Jody Meeks? I mean, I come on. Where, where does he live? He come to your mind first? Do you guys I mean, find over a girl or something? What, what's up with no, you? low key. I, when I when you asked when you said the number twenty, the first person I thought of was Jody Meeks. I'm sorry. Okay, okay no, it's, it's all good. Cleveland, who you got, man? Uh, no disrespect to Jody Meeks, but the uh, the first person that comes to mind for me, uh, being up here in the two hundred six, is the glove, Gary Payton. The first person that comes to mind uh, who wore the number, uh, he wore it very well, in my opinion. He wore it best all time. I'm going to have to go with the uh, running back in Detroit, Barry Sanders. And it's hard to disagree with that. But number 20 for me, it goes to, to Billy Sims, the running back from before, before Ooh. Barry Sanders. I mean, Ooh, that's a name. That. Yeah, running back from Oklahoma. He had that the poster with his body contorted, trying to get away from the defenders. I mean that that poster. I loved it. Um, Billy Sims, and then we have the Hall of Famer Ed Reed out of Baltimore, safety for the Ravens. Uh, certainly, Hall of Famer wore that number pretty good. 
As for with it being week 89, we just kind of mix it up. And who wore 89 the best, fellas? Or when you think of 89, who was the first player to come to your mind? What number was Antonio Brown? 84. 84. Okay, never mind. Um, let me think. Let me think. Let me think. Hold on. I got to think on that for a second. Uh, I'll let somebody else go first. 89? Chad was 85. Ocho Cinco, man, come on, man. That is literally in the it's literally in the name. <laughs> yeah, you know, I just kind of forgot what you know. Yeah, what it would have meant. You ain't speaking, yeah, you ain't up man. on your Spanish right now, Pat. Yeah, I'm not up on Tony Steve uh, Smith. Steve Smith. Steve Smith. Ooh, that's a great one right there. Steve Smith. Yeah, that is a great one. Uh, that's a great one right there. Hmm. I'm think on mine. I'll let somebody else go first. I'm gonna think on mine a little bit more. We, we can't, Pat came out the box with Steve Smith. What do you got, Cleveland? You know, ironically, that is the first person that came to mind. Uh, being from the 206, would have thought maybe uh, that was either from Miami, Brian Blades, but no, it was Steve Smith. Steve wow. Smith was the first person that came to mind when I thought of the number 89. Who wore, what, who wore it the best? Because it's such a weird number. Um, you got to go back in, back in time quite a ways and uh, Cat that played a defensive end for the Colts, cat named uh, Gino Marchetti. Seven time, uh, seven time Pro Bowler, man. Look at you, look at you. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm from a... Chicago, so I'm gonna say Mike Dicker. That's a good. That's a good call there. It took you a little time pick. to come up good with pick. that. That's a good. Took you some. No, time. I had to. I had to double check. Then I mean, you know, to make sure I didn't want to be wrong. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Um, so I had. Blades, I had Dicka and Mark Bavaro. Um, I was confused a couple of weeks. Uh, Cleveland, I said he was wearing 86. It was obviously 89 that he wore. So Mark Bavaro, tight end for the Giants, was uh, one of my first guys to come to my mind, actually. So, again, fellas, we got hoops and brews in the house. Again, by way of Chicago out here in L.A., it's a pleasure to meet these fellas. And they are – the epitome of clickbait because their content is off the wall every day. And I'm I'm not even going to start with what's, what's on the last dance. There was an argument the other day. <laughs> About what? What's um, up? What happened? Which a one? superstar. What's a superstar? Not Vince Carter. <laughs> not Vince Carter. How is Vince Carter? I agree with everything he's about to say. How is Vince Carter not a superstar, sir? How is okay, 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 okay. Tell me Vince Carter's moment that's 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 on an actual that's doing an actual NBA game. His superstar moment doing an actual NBA game. A superstar moment. That's hilarious. That is doing, hilarious. Literally, I mean, tell me one moment that makes I mean, him a superstar doing an actual NBA game. A game. Is he not? Is he not the top three dunker in game dunker in NBA history? That's dope. So I mean, I mean I, so is Zach Levine, but he not a. So is Zach Levine. So is Daryl Dawkins. I mean, dude, come on, you, you're, now you're comparing Zach Levine to Vince Carter. At Daryl Dawkins too. Daryl Dawkins, yeah. He broke the glass. I mean, I mean Daryl Dawkins. Lie. Daryl Dawkins. I'm not. I'm not going to put Daryl Dawkins. He broke the glass. Okay, he broke the glass. I'm not going. I mean, that doesn't vault him into superstar status. So, I wouldn't say so, that. So look, Look, Dunking made Vince Carter superstar. I mean, him. Exactly. Vince Carter's exactly. legacy. His legacy. What's his legacy, Duncan? Yeah, he's a Hall of Famer. What's his legacy? He he played a long time. He played a long time. What did Vince Carter have? a superstar. 
Hold on, that is on. hilarious. His legacy is he played a long time. <laughs> so did Kevin Willis. Kevin Willis wasn't ever no superstar. So that makes him a superstar. He played a long time and he did clean up. Okay. Wait, how are you killing Vince Carter like this? I like Vince. I think, look, look, look. I think Vince is a Hall of Famer. First, probably first ballot depends on the class. But superstar, he never was. I always thought there was a separation between the elite guards at the time, which was Kobe Bryant, T-Mac, Allen Iverson, and Vince Carter. I never thought Vince Carter was that cold. You can't be two-time All-NBA literally twice, literally twice, and be a superstar. He just wasn't that cold to me. Like, nobody ever said, oh, yeah, we got Vince. We got a chance to win the championship. No. Tav, I got to disagree with you on that. I, and when, I, and I when, think, what? When, 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 please tell me when. At what time in your life did you were like, yo, they got Vince, bro. They going to they gonna do some well, work. I'm, I'm, well, okay, I agree with you there. But the Toronto, Toronto, <laughs> was, Toronto was pretty solid. And I'm not saying that – not saying – I I get your point. Vince wasn't taking no, nobody, no team over the, over, the, uh, over the mountain. I mean, then what was eight, he useful eight, for then? Eight-time eight time All-Star – that's a role player. Two-time All-NBA. Two-time All-NBA. Never first team either. It was, I think, second and third. 2000-2001. That's it. Man, I, man, I, <laughs> I think – Got him. Got him. Got him. Literally. No, 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 no. Cleveland, what you think of, Cleveland, what you think about this? You know, Cam, we've done the show for a long time, man. And, and, and I, I respect you as a colleague and a friend. But these cats aren't wrong, man. Vince Vince has never, ever, ever been that dude. Has never been that dude. And whenever you think of Vince Carter, you're just like, ooh, that one incredible dunk he did in the slam dunk contest. You never say like, ooh, remember that one time that he picked his team up and carried them through this series or carried them through that game? I mean, the second, the second, the second memory, the second memory that comes to you after after the slam dunk contest is wow, that dude went to his graduation at a game seven. Hey. We talked, we talked about that some weeks ago too, didn't we? No, yeah, it's, it's, I'm gonna say what, and, dunk too. Yeah, that one. That's it. Yeah. Everything is a dunk. Yeah, the two thousand, the two thousand, the two thousand dunk where he dunked over the French too. Great, but yeah. like no. You would never, you would never want Vince to be your number one guy. How was it? How was he first time, first ballot Hall, first or second at worst ballot Hall of Famer? If he wasn't a superstar, though, I mean, it's a lot of Hall of Famers not superstars. Vlade in the Hall of Fame. Okay, I rock with Vlade, but like it's a lot of people in that that's an Hall of Fame that weren't superstars. A lot of them. That don't mean you're not a. Speaking of Hall those of guys, Tony Kukoc should be in there, and the last dance to me further proved it. I agree, he should be in there. But he didn't make an NBA All Star team. That's why he's never going to be in. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't make an All Star team. Over he might actually year. make it just because it's the Basketball Hall of Fame, and somebody down the line will remember his contribution. But that's fair. That's fair. Um, that's that's the only reason he'd make it. But, but wow. Can, 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 can I ask you a question? So it's three against one. I'm not going to argue this one no more. I'm just going to ask you a quick question. How much do you think it sucks to be like a six or seven ballot Hall of Fame? Or do you think it matters? I mean, it matters to them. Um, it matters to them because the ego. Well, I got in. I went in right away. But T.O.'s in. Just just as an example, T.O.'s in now. But, you know, 
he was still shit on the Hall of Fame because it took him three ballots to get in. I mean, yeah, but I mean, but we know why. We, I mean, T.O. Right. is in now because of agendas. But I mean, just like on a like a pure talent standpoint. No, you shit. You you win, you win. That's how I would think it. That's how I would think. Um, you get in, you get in. Regardless of how long it takes, what you guys think? I think that the NBA Hall of Fame is the easiest Hall of Fame to get into. Yeah, they let a lot of people in that um, had some really good seasons or either had a lot of pretty good seasons. So, you know, it's like it's more based upon volume, adverse, um, your impact on the game. I mean, Tracy McGrady is a Hall of Famer. He had Hall of Fame ability. I don't know if he ever necessarily showed it on the court. For a long period of time, he had a good run in Orlando. He started to kind of, you know, spark in Toronto. And then he had a pretty good run in Houston. But it's like, mm, when was he ever a dominant? I mean, he was a dominant statistical guy. But when was he ever like that guy? Hey, yeah, I appreciate that. My comparison for him is Dame Lillard, but I don't think that Tracy McGrady is better than Dame Lillard. Dame Lillard, sorry. You got Dame over. You got Dame over Tracy. Yes. Yeah, I think I would have that as well. Um, but at least I my thing with yes, but at least my thing with T Mac is if I actually think about you know superstar moments, I can tell you one all top of T Mac thirteen points, seconds, whatever it was. Vince, I cannot tell you one. But did yeah. they win a series? No, they didn't. No win a series. So but I also yes, but I also think that even T Mac being a guy who led the league in scoring, I mean, like that's something rare to do. I think T Mac has more of a claim to superstardom than what Vince did. But if you want to say he's not a superstar, I'm not mad at it. I just think that T Mac has more of a claim to superstardom for those three years in the early 2000s um, than a lot of people do. Well, there was, yeah, there was a moment. I mean, where arguably T Mac was rivaling. Um, nope. He, he was he was up there, he was up there for one of the top two guards in the game. There was a, there was a moment there. It, it was I mean, a brief I, moment. I mean, as a kid, I thought he was the best one. I thought like as I mean, I was obviously wrong about this, but as a kid, I thought it was C Mac. I thought it was AI and then Cole, just because I looked at the numbers C Mac was putting up, and that shit was impressive to me. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. also think that T Mac's career kind of I think that with T Mac, we got to remember, you know, you signed to a Magic team thinking you're going to play with Grant Hill. And Grant Hill gets hurt, and that's pretty much what a max salary taking up half of the taking up half of the team's salary. So you can't even really go out and get T Mac help. So mm-hmm. now he's out there playing forty minutes a night to invest in his body, and I think that's why his body broke down. He didn't last as long, but she's my opinion on T Mac. Mm. Okay, all right. So what's your opinion on this? I talked to Thomas a couple of days ago about this. What's your most interesting part of this Last Dance docu- documentary? You mean the uh, you mean the Michael Jordan propaganda flick? Oh boy! Cleveland, <laughs> um, <laughs> you found somebody to agree with you. <laughs> the cycle, man. Um, okay, let me say this: uh, the Jordan Knights unite. Is that is that in the day with the show? Literally, the Michael Jordan propaganda piece. Um, <laughs> What I what I what I came into it expecting was maybe this is my fault for expecting this. Obviously, it is called the Last Dance. The first thing you see is Michael Jordan. But growing up as a kid in Chicago, just looking back on it, the Last Dance was always about more than just Michael Jordan. 
it was about that Bulls team as a unit. Um, so it took me. It was. I had, it was. Uh, really, to me it was. was. Yeah, to me it was. To me it was. Like you knew that Phil wasn't coming back. You knew Scotty wasn't coming back. You knew Rodman was going. You knew that basically all the guys, including Michael Jordan, probably weren't going to be there next year. So it wasn't just like Michael Jordan riding off to the sunset. This whole team as a whole was riding off into the sunset, and everything was going to be new the next year. That's what it was always about to me as a kid. So when I came into the documentary, I was expecting a more all-inclusive effort, and what I got for the most part was just like Michael Jordan talking about everything, everybody talking about things from Michael Jordan's point of view. That being said, um, I still think it was a good piece of work. Um, I think that for the casual fan and for somebody who's not as close to the story, I think it was dope. Um, I like, you know, the soundtrack selection. I, I like, love the background footage. I thought that all was cool. Um, but I was expecting something different, and it took me a while to be able to release and kind of, like, enjoy it because I'm like, yo, everybody's talking about this from Jordan's point of view. And also it was saying that was inaccurate in the dog, and I'm like, yo, that didn't happen like that. Or they didn't mention certain things that I thought they could mention that I thought was important. Um, but it was cool. It was whatever. What did, did you learn something? Did you learn anything? And then, uh, yeah, first question, did you learn anything? And then secondly, what did you feel was left out? The only thing I learned was that, well, well not learned, but I, what convinced me was that Michael Jordan actually retired. I was always under the conspiracy that he got suspended. Um, oh, really? Watching the documentary, I finally believe that he actually retired. Reason being is just, it was so, you just see how, how, how much was going on at that point in time. You had the gambling thing, that you had, you know, people, his father died, and people trying to connect the dots. Like, I can't even imagine, even even from just working in media, you know, you go into the season and people go, you know, media members are ruthless at times. You know, people's even asking Kawhi, did you know Kobe's title? Like, bro, why are you asking stuff like that? <laughs> so, so I can only imagine, you know, Michael Jordan having to answer questions about his dad every single day. And that's mm. kind of exhausting. So I actually realized, like, no, nah, Michael Jordan actually um retired and that it wasn't, you know, uh him being suspended. What do I wish they would have? Um, included in there. Um, the first thing that I found to be a little bit uh, inaccurate, I know, um, was his the season they talking about him breaking his foot. They kind of, at least to me, they insinuated that he played the Pacers game. First of all, he didn't. He didn't play 14 minutes in that game. He played like 28 minutes, and they set him down for the last 40 seconds, which actually made Jordan's point about distrusting management stronger they were described it that way but they made it seem like they went straight to the Pacers game straight to play the ball themselves and he just dropped 40 and 63 not what happened they played like seven games in between there he was off mm. the middle position then they went to the playoffs um the next thing was I wanted to hear John Paxson kind of just at least well when 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 I think Jordan said yo who's open Paxson I kind of wanted to hear like how Paxson felt about that like yo how did it feel to know that Phil trusts you and that Mike trusts you, how do you feel in that moment? They kind of did it with Steve Kerr later on in the doc, um, gotcha. which, gotcha. Which, 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 which which I thought was one of the best parts of the doc. You know, even Steve Kerr talking about how he looked at John Paxson, he was like, yo, I can be him, and if I can just learn from this guy, and then even him talking about, yo, in that game, I was cold. I was getting shots every four to five minutes, so I was kind of nervous. I had to just calm myself down. Um, another point, the 92 finals when uh, game six, when they just showed like a montage of Jordan highlights, Completely not mentioning the fact the bench went on like a 16-0. When, when, I, when, when, not, when, they, when the bench um, came back from 16 points down and Michael finished them all, but the bench and I had to run in game six. Thought they could have mentioned that. Um, when they were talking about Kukoc, uh, I don't think Scotty gave his opinion on Kukoc and how he felt. I think they had like Jordan talking about it and like Ryder, but we didn't hear Scotty's That's opinion. That's not actually. true, but I feel you. That's not true, but I feel We you. didn't hear – no. The, the Scotty's opinion that you got was when they – 
put up some old footage from the Olympics. That, but you want to, you want to hear him live? You yeah, I want to hear Scotty live, like literally looking back on it, like, "Yo, how did you feel?" We didn't get Scotty's opinion on like how he felt. Also, I would have liked Scotty's opinion on how he felt about Michael Jordan retiring. We got Michael opinion on it, but I actually would have known to know, like, yo, how did you feel? Like, did you think, oh, shit, Mike retired, or were you like, oh, it's my time to go? This, like, is, my, this is my chance. That's yeah, like, this is my chance. Like, how did you feel about that? Also, the 96 finals. You couldn't make no mention to the fact Robin had an offense rebounded back-to-back games. I record in back-to-back games. I think that's kind of cool. Also, the winner always tells the story, so I feel him. But, like, I feel like DP kind of got treated a little bit bad. Like, you did have a problem with the glove, bro. Like, I'm sorry, but you had a problem with the glove. You arguably had one of your worst playoff series in that finals. Yeah, well, tell it. Tell um, it. Okay. And then, maybe okay. the, and, then, and then maybe the last thing, which, like, I'm not as keen on, like, it's kind of cool to me, but my homie mentioned it, uh, was the fact that they made no mention to, like, the mailman don't deliver on Sunday thing. I thought that would have been, like, a cool piece. But, like, they made no mention to it. But, like, I don't really have an issue with that, though. It's just, like, another thing. But those are just some things that I felt could have been highlighted. But, again, Knowing that, like, it's more about Michael Jordan than it is about the Chicago Bulls, I can understand why they didn't mention it, but I just would have liked it to be a little more all-inclusive. Okay. you agree with all that, Thomas, or was there something that of you Of course I don't agree it? with any of that, but I feel yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, let's hear it, big guy. I think, I think I heard enough from everybody that I wanted to hear from, and everybody that's bitter and mad is mad because they ain't Michael Jordan. And when you Michael Jordan, and you're the greatest basketball player to ever live, who's the greatest baseball player to ever live? I'm asking everybody. The greatest baseball player to yes. ever live? Yes, right now. Who's the greatest baseball player ever? Oh, right now? Today? Ever. I'm asking oh, you who's oh. the greatest baseball player ever. I mean. Oh, I see where we're going with this. You're going to get three different answers, but when you say hoop, it's going to be Michael Jordan. Like, what no, you no, 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 no. I'm not, it's not even that. I'm just asking you guys. I'm genuinely asking you guys. This is a real question. I have question. no idea. I have zero in, my opi- in my opinion, it's very dark. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Barry. Okay, I, I was thinking now. Okay, yeah, I was kind of okay. Thinking now, this is my exact point. That guy has and will forever live in infamy. He's not even in the Hall of Fame. So uh, obviously, if that guy got to tell a documentary, actually, it's about to be a, a Balco documentary about him coming up on ESPN in a couple of weeks. No, it's not. It's about Mark Wahlberg and Sammy Sosa. Yeah, but yeah. you think Barry Bonds not gonna be mentioning that? Come on, man. You're ridiculous if you think so. When Barry Bonds was here, nope, he's, he's, he's a year. He's a year after. He's a year after that. Yeah, that's yeah, why he's about. You think Barry that's Bonds, Bonds is not going to be mentioned in that documentary at all? I mean, like that's, that's not going to be any mention. Yeah. That, that's a whole nother doc. They may mention him in passing, but I mean that's. A but whole my point. But my point with all it is is Barry Bonds is, is is by most people's standards the greatest baseball player to ever live. But he lives in infamy, and nobody really wants to hear about his opinion unless he's quote-unquote admits to being a cheater or whatever that people want to get from him during the era in which most of the guys was doing the same thing that he was doing. Michael Jordan is arguably, if not hands down, the greatest basketball player to ever live, and he is currently living. He is not necessarily solely responsible, but we're not going to act like Mike won Mike on the bull. I don't care about these other people's perspective that much. <laughs> you are you were there in service to Michael Jordan. If Michael Jordan See, was not on like the Chicago Bulls, you would not have been on the Chicago Bulls. If Michael if Michael Jordan didn't like Scottie Pippen, Scottie Pippen wouldn't have been on the Chicago Bulls. Michael Jordan gave Scottie Pippen his flowers time after time after time in that documentary. He also mentioned other guys in that documentary numerous times. I don't want to see no documentary about John Paxson. 
right, so, like, get get your get your get your five minutes throughout the episode and let me hear Mike <laughs> talk about how great it was to be Mike. Because I, that's no, what I, we want to see. I, I'm sorry. I understand. I understand. I'm sorry, I and I disagree with what Pappy said. As a kid growing up. Knowing that that was the Bulls last season, I was thinking about it being Michael Jordan's last season. I didn't care about the rest of them guys. I did. <laughs> I did. I did. I did. You, I, I didn't. I did not I did. care about it. I had so even everybody. in the documentary, I don't care about the rest of them guys. I'm glad. I mean, Pippen got the right amount of shine, but also from everybody, from personal people telling me that Pippen hated the documentary, from Pippen leaking it to the media that he hated the documentary, clearly he was not a part of the documentary, and he didn't care for how he was portrayed, which I think he was accurately portrayed because he had some frail moments. You can't be mad at people because you had some frail moments. He did. We talked about we talked about this the other day. I, I thought Pippen was kind of bad in this documentary. And if it's a Michael Jordan glow piece, I mean, shame on Mike for doing his, his teammate like this. He doing didn't his teammate do him like, like anything. If, if, if you leave out that Scottie Pippen sat on the bench during that game, then Pavi is talking about, this is the most inaccurate thing I ever heard in my life. I can't believe that I'm watching this on my TV screen. This is bad. This is fake. This is even more than worse than like. So yeah, you gotta include that in there. You, you got yeah, you gotta you take over it, for but... Michael Jordan. We have to tell the people what happened when you took over for Michael Jordan. And when you took over for Michael Jordan, you decided to sit on the bench rather than to take. <laughs> I mean, rather than to not take the last shot. That's you can't forget that. That ain't Michael Jordan fault. He didn't no, make you no, sit there. No, he it's was not. He was sitting in the stands with a on. But okay. But what about the contract scenario? I mean, they went pretty deep into the contract issue uh, and how he signed it. He signed it. Yeah. Okay. What I'm saying. What I'm saying is they went pretty deep into that scenario. And if that's Jordan's guy, I mean, maybe you kind of gloss over it a little bit. But it just, I just think that it made him look worse. It's my. I point. mean. I understand that because even like I saw some older people talking about you know even like it's some it's like some games against the Pistons where Mike wasn't you know playing all that great. They didn't mention that at all. Well, they were like was like I heard I, I, I haven't seen the game for myself. So I don't want thousand percent no. Maybe some of you guys seen the series, but like Mike was kind of some of the reason Doug Collins got fired because Mike looked terrible in the Pistons series. He just looked bad in one of the Pistons series. A couple of those you know like games like four or five or six in one of the Pistons series. So I mean like. Personally, I don't think Scotty looked bad though. Like I, I didn't get, I just got that was an accurate representation of what happened. He was mad. I don't think he looked bad. Now maybe he wanted a little. Now maybe he wanted, you know, a little bit more non-biased storytelling. But I don't think yeah. he looked bad though. And also, yeah, I think, that, I think go ahead. And, and also, if 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 he was mad, I think he could have expressed himself better. And like, if he didn't want to be a part of it because he was mad about it, I don't know how long his interview was. I don't know what he said. But I feel like he could have. It, granted, we don't. I don't know what happened. I'm not the director, but he could explain himself better, maybe. But I don't think oh, he looked bad, though. I think he looked bad. I think it made him look bad. The contract situation, obviously, said now those were those are on his doing. I agree with you. He signed a contract. You li- you live it up. He decided to sit down again. Jordan, I think Jordan kind of didn't make him look the best by highlighting those situations. Isn't that which was high? Jordan or the director, however you want to put it. And it was just highlighted in those situations. Cleveland, your what's your think? What you think? You know, I, I had a well, couple of different on, things. Hold on, that... hold on, Cleveland. Be, just to educate um, Pavy, Jordan, it, it was growing pains that he had to get over Chicago or get over the Pistons. It wasn't necessarily. I mean, the Pistons kind of had a. Uh, 
they had a book out on kind of how what to do with him, how to make him, you know, how to play against Jordan. It was the Jordan rules. So he had to kind of grow to get over them. And then once he kind of still strained still, so once he got strong and straight, he was unbeatable. Uh, and I'll just say that. I'll just leave that at that. Gotcha. So kind of, kind of uh, circling back, um, one of the things that I think that a lot of people before coming into the docu-series thought is that, oh, man, everybody would love to play with Michael Jordan. He's just the greatest winner and the greatest competitor. But what you got from that is that it wasn't it wasn't love and respect that came to practice. It was just fear that this tyrant was just going to just do something crazy, say something crazy to me so everyone was on their P's and Q's and walking around on eggshells. But that was crazy for professional NBA players to, to feel like that in the shadow of, of Jordan. The other thing is that he, he talked about how much he hated the Pistons, but one of those teams had three other Pistons, three former Pistons on it. Like 25% of their team was former Pistons. He just didn't like Isaiah. So just say that. Don't say that you hate the Pistons. I mean, you've already made your, you know, disdain for Isaiah to a certain extent, you know, public. I mean, that's not act like Bill Lambert was knocking the hell out of him, too. He wasn't on the Bulls. True. True. But you got you get a team with, with Edward, Sally, and Rodman on it. It's like you didn't you didn't hate all those guys. You just, you know, you didn't like that they were so physical with you and were kind of impeding your progress. I get that. But you make it all about the Pistons when really it's, Really more about Isaiah, so I think that kind of came light a little bit, and then just the way that he could just create conflict in his mind where there was no conflict, and just any little thing someone did or didn't do just became this bigger than life kind of thing that he just manifested into this sign of disrespect. I mean, you know, night before. For a finals game, you don't you don't walk by the you know star player and go, hey man, have a great game tomorrow. And you take that as like a disrespect. It's like, what are you talking about? It's like, oh, are we supposed to be all formal and cordial? Before, like you know, like in today's you know NBA, you would absolutely do that. You probably might even be you know sitting there you know having a steak at the same table with you know the person you're gonna play in game one, but not back then. I mean. That was a little bit much to ask, and it kind of bringing it, you know, as a slight because you didn't stop by and say, you know, good luck tomorrow. But that was kind of strange. But he did bring back up the Nebraska Smith thing, and the, you know, the way he was swinging the bat around when BJ Armstrong called him out. I mean, he did want three championships with both guys. Why can't you be, you know, a little bit like, good job, dude. You weren't with us, man, but, you know, good job. You was one of us for a long time, but you take it like as a slight. That because was he was weird. insane. Because he's <laughs> insane. Because he's insane. I didn't want to go that far and win it because it might be some Jordan Knights listening player, but I'm just like. He's insane. Nah. That's a different, nah. slightly differently when you like that, right? Nah. And so I mean, then. That's kind of makes him who he is, though, at the yeah. same time. I think Michael Jordan literally hated the Pistons. I just think he's like, yo, I want to win so bad. I don't care if I don't like Robin. Come on. And that's how crazy he is. I don't I don't like him at all. I don't need talking to him ever. I don't like this guy, but I want to win. He can help me win. Forget. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that's what that was. And 
I mean, guys, could you imagine the greatest rebounder? I mean, that's what it was. One of the greatest rebounders in the game. Matches the great greatest defensive players and rebounder matches up with arguably the defensive player, the best defensive player at the time, and the defense, the um, offensive scoring machine. I mean that that Bulls team, that Bulls team was frightening. Uh, Scottie Pippen and, and Rodman, and they were frightening. Um, that was a that was an awesome combination. And then lastly, and then lastly, one of the things that I take away from it is that. Um, I had to give Phil Jackson a lot less credit because less he credit. coached less credit. Here's why: because he coached like Michael Jordan. Take. I actually really like this take. Thank you. I'm he, he coached he coached Michael Jordan to six championships, and then his other five championships are with Michael Jordan's clone, Michael Jordan's prodigy. But so so, 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 so it's like, but so what you're telling me, so what you're telling me, when you're saying this, is that you're not a great X and guy. I mean, I, I like the triangle. It works cool for certain players in certain circumstances. But what you're telling me is that you're really good at handling the most driven, possessive behavior in the league. And then what would Jimmy Johnson do? And then and then and then two point That was Jimmy Johnson's ability. Is no, not even, not even. We're talking, talking, we're talking about we're talking, no, no, no. So we're talking about the, the the best shooting guard to ever play, and then the second best shooting guard to ever play. And he's so just like know. the first guy. There was other people that coached the Lakers though. There was other people that coached Dale Harris. I think was the coach of the Lakers. Three, he had Kobe and Shaq three years before Phil came and won the first year he had the Lakers. So, then, so, so, you're, so, you, so you're totally not, so you're totally not understanding what I'm saying here. I hear, I hear because exactly because saying, when because when Phil got Mike, it was in his sec, it was in his sixth year, and when Phil got Kobe, it was in his fifth year. Again, there was other people that coached the Bulls and the Lakers before Phil got the job, and then when Phil left, when Phil left and retired from the Lakers after they won three, they lost to the Pistons. Rudy T came and coached. Rudy T said, "I can't do it. It's, this is too much for me. I can't. I can't coach the Lakers." And Phil, who, I can't remember who they got as the stand-in, but Phil came back and then won two more. So I'm not sure what what how how Phil gets the slight in this scenario. Because it's not really his coaching ability that won those championships. It's his ability to manage that particular type of personality trait that's part that of coaching, made him successful. That's that's part of leadership, isn't it? Managing their personality? It's great leadership. It's not great coaching. Those are two, those are two uh, totally different things. Uh, leadership, coaching. I mean, guys they need leaders. You know what? That, that was the other thing that I got from it. Phil Jackson wasn't really leading them. He was, like, just trying to control Michael, who was <laughs> leading them to fear. Kobe did the same thing. It's like that's it's the blueprint. He understands how to how to like you know calm everyone else down. I know I know Kobe's rough. I know Mike's rough on you guys. I know you guys. But hey, man, he is that dude, man. And he's gonna take us there, man. Just 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 tough it out, man. I'm sorry, you guys. Uh, uh, um, Didn't you feel that way? Watch me. Um, when you say it, I understand what you're saying. Um, I think a lot of the X and those have to go to text. 
Um, you know, Tex is really the guy who created Triangle, brought it to Phil. Phil was like, I like this, cool. Let's and I think Phil, let's roll with it. But also, I think part of being a great leader or like a great coach is realizing when somebody got something that, you, that they're like, you should listen to. Some people try to be too controlled. And I think that when there it comes to X's defense, I think the difference between Pop and Phil is, I think Pop's probably better, quote unquote, X's than the old guy. Um, but I think Phil's innate ability to deal with egos is what makes him great. Like, everybody just can't deal with egos. Some people don't know what to do. You put all that in one locker room, Rodman might check out because some people wouldn't let Rodman go to Vegas mid-finals and not say nothing. Or let Rodman take a two-week two vacation. But my man, do you think that he can coach somebody that did not have that type of mentality where he wasn't really actually having to do all of those other things? They would follow by fear and example more than what it is that he's actually doing as a coach. I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. It's not like I'm saying I, I, I disagree. I just think that managing personalities, like you have to get some credit for that. I Not, not with the X's and O's, I feel you, because I think Tech deserves more credit than what Tech's getting. I think people dump it on field because field's a face man. I think Tech needs more credit for the triangle and for the way it works. But I just think it's something to be said about managing personality. However you did it, however you did it, however you did, I think it's something to said to be um, said for that. I mean, I, I think it's, I think it's something to be said for 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 managing different types of personalities, adverse being really good at managing this one type of personality. Pepe, you put it best. So I think he was kind of so I think he was kind of one dimensional in that aspect because when Mike wasn't there, success wasn't there. Kobe wasn't there. I can't necessarily agree with that because when Mike wasn't there, they won 56 games. Now, you can say the season after that when they lost Lawrence and they, like, lost on the season, they was kind of, like, retooling, then okay. But, no, Mike left and they still won 56 games. If Pippen would have played better, they might have still made the finals. If you could have played better, oh, my goodness. Hey, Pavy, you guys, Cleveland has a a problem with coaching. He he has a problem with giving coaches credit for what's going on on the field. Um, he doesn't believe in good coaching makes a difference. So, I, which in, coach does he believe in the most? Oh my goodness! Any any coach. Um, we're going to talk about our top ten coaches um, later. But I was surprised. So, 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 so can, if I if I if I may defend myself real quick, I think that in the NBA, coaching matters the least. I think in baseball, it matters the most, and in football, it's kind of somewhere in between. In the NBA to win a championship, you got to be that dude, and there's nobody if you're that dude that has some X's and O's that's gonna stop you. Baseball, it's a numbers game. You're moving players around, you're shifting, you're bringing the pitchers in and out, lefty righty, that kind of thing. Football, if you have someone supremely dominant on one side or the other, you can kind of hold your own, but it probably won't be enough. Carry you over the threshold about some other things. So George George Carl had nothing to do with the Sonic success. George Carl has a lot to do with the Sonic's in success, the the, the ability to not win things. You saw in the documentary, you saw the documentary picking the game three to make the adjustment to put the gloves on it. So wait, 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 real quick. To be fair about that, allegedly GP said he had a torn calf muscle in that series, and George Carl said, we don't want to tire you out. We need you to score. So I just I, I just want to throw that in there. Allegedly, GP had like a partially torn calf muscle, and he was hurt. 
That's what GP said. By interviewing about that, you can find it. So, again, we're talking about managing personalities and kind of that being a part of the coach's job. Had George Carl been able to manage the personality, Sean Kemp's personality, after they went to the finals in 96, good coaching would have brought them, would have brought, took them to a different level, correct? Good personality management, adverse X's and O's. And, again, the NBA is a totally different thing. You got to be that dude. Oh, 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 and, and the one thing that you oh, saw, and this, another thing you saw in this docu-series, is that Carmelo was never that dude. He could not get over that. Man. He could not raise the level of his game to perform at that superstar level when it counted the most. Well, he just wasn't better than Jordan. And we're going to get to that. Fellas, let's take a little quick break, and we're going to come back and talk exactly about that point, Mr. Cleveland. Who was much more adversely impacted by the Bulls' run? Was it oh. Was it Carl Malone? Was it Stockton? Was it GP? We're going to talk about that in a minute, but let's take a quick break here, fellas. All right, fans, thank you guys for tuning in once again to Voice of the Fans podcast. We got the fellas from the Hoops and Brews. Hey, Thomas, go ahead. Let us know where where can we find you guys. I know you're all over IG, all over um, YouTube. Tell them exactly where we can find them and about the seven shows that you're working on. Yeah, so you can feel free to find us at hoopsandbrews.com. Uh, you can also find us at Hoops and Brews on any social platform. That's Hoops, the letter, I'm sorry, the letter in the word Brews, Hoops and Brews. We're also available on Dash Radio, so you can hear us on Dash Radio, iHeartMedia, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify as well. You can check us out. All of our shows are under the same page, and you'll be able to check out all of our content because we do do about seven, eight different shows. <laughs> about seven or eight. Listen to this guy, young Jamaican here. Pavy, where can we find you on SoundCloud? Uh, Pavy. So if you go on SoundCloud, you type in Pavy, you'll find me. Uh, but the easy way to find me, go to my website, pavver.com, P-A. Verbs. So P A V E R B S dot com. And if I may plug one more thing, uh, I just started a new company. It's called TPJTV.com. Go check it out. The podcast journey is a brand new, uh, you know, you know, you know, platform um, and service built to help creators around the world of all shapes and sizes create podcasts. So come over there and start your podcast journey with me. And thank you. I appreciate it, Kim. You got. You so sick of me calling and asking you for advice, you decided to make it a business now, huh? I'm so sick of everybody calling me and asking me to have one day podcast. I say, you know what? I need to just make a simple solution so everybody can do it. They also include video scans. It includes audio you can use in your intros, uh, vertical scans, you know, horizontal scans. So, you know, I'm really trying to help everybody out um, to make sure that they can, you know, create the best podcast that they can possibly do at an affordable price. So, so check it well, out, tpjtv.com. Well, I need the homie hookup there, so uh, you get I get I got five percent discount. <laughs> okay, okay. So, fellas, if you go on tpjtv.com and you see the prices, it's actually fairly reasonable for everything that you get. So, it's already at like a real discount rate versus what I would really be charging people for my services. Okay, tell them again where can they find you, chief? tpjtv.com. Okay, good looking out. So uh, we we so we touched on it moments ago. At um, who was mostly in, 
adversely impacted by the Bulls' run. And you just said right there, Cleveland, that Carl Malone wasn't it proved that he wasn't that dude. He couldn't get over the hump. So was it Stockton? Was it GP? Was it Malone? Was it Charles Barkley? Who do you guys feel kind of their career, their legacy was most adversely impacted by the Bulls' run? If I could go first, it's absolutely 100%. The mailman, Carl Malone, the prototypical power forward of the time, I think there's only maybe Tim Duncan, maybe Kevin McHale that he kind of argued the other way. The mailman uh, definitely redefined the position, and this was his opportunity to cement his legacy. Having been on the Dream Team and all that, you know, the Jazz, and, and especially that he had a better team, and they had the opportunity to win it knowing that Pippen wasn't going to be able to play a game seven and to not be able to take advantage of that, man, it makes Carl look like a fool. Honestly. A fool? Oof. Well, I didn't um, think Carl wasn't, wasn't as good as MJ, but uh, okay, fellas, what you guys think? Um, I'm going with Carl Malone, too, but actually I think the reason that the nug that the Jazz didn't win was Stockton didn't shoot the ball more. Like even in game uh, ninety one, game one in um, ninety seven, why is he giving Carl Malone the ball to go to the free throw line like on purpose? He shoots sixty nine percent from the free throw line. Give it to Stockton. I think if Stockton was a little bit more aggressive and had the ball in certain situations when Malone had the ball or when they went to Malone, they might have a ring. But also, I think like if Malone picks up a couple rings, you you talking about him as one of the greatest players to to, to you know uh, play the game of basketball. When you look at what two time MVP. If he picks up one or two rings, he's second all-time in scoring. Like, his basketball resume, it, I think he's undoubtedly the best player to play without a ring. I think his basketball resume, when you look at the resume outside of the rings, is one of the most impressive of anybody to touch the hardwood. So if he starts picking up rings, the way you talk about Malone is in a whole different light. So I would have to say Carl Malone. Go ahead, Thomas. Yeah, I mean, I got to agree, man. That's Carl Malone, man. It's unfortunate, but the mailman don't deliver on Sundays, and that's really what it boils down to. Wow, short and sweet. You guys, Tabby, you said the greatest player without a ring? That wouldn't yeah. be Charles Barkley? No, he's not two-time music. But you know what? Also, also, I'll say this. Carl Malone and I would say Russell Westbrook. Is the, are the greatest players without a yeah, ring? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say Carl Malone won, and then if I had to do one B, I would say Russ. I said Russ a couple weeks ago, but now that I kind of think on it a little bit, even just looking at how many points Carl Malone put up, the fact that he doesn't have any is kind of is kind of crazy. But I think Russ, a guy that's won MVP, that's averaged triple doubles, what, three straight seasons, that guy has never won a ring. And that's kind of preposterous when you think about how good he's been as a basketball player, but also how, like, even much better he could be even with him being that great. So, yeah. I, I love Russell Wilson or Russell Westbrook. I love him. I'm a big fan. Fan of the Sonics, he went to OKC. I rooted for him, KD and and Harden, um, unmercifully. unmercifully. But, but what I've but what I've seen from Russell Westbrook in recent years, never mind the triple doubles, um, never mind the aggressive play, is when it comes down to crunch time, he doesn't make the best basketball decisions. So, and I think that. I guess weighs on my mind more so than the good I've seen out of him. Like his aggressiveness, his tenacity. You you can't be you can't be mad at that. Um, the triple doubles obviously it takes talent. It, it takes you to play all around basketball to put up those numbers. But the basketball IQ I've seen from him, 
late in games, I think takes away from everything else he's done well. And am, am I, are you, does that? What do you think about the basketball cue, Thomas, and how that impacts the rest of his game? I mean, I don't think that I'm not. I'll put it this way. I think that he was in a tough situation the first time at OKC um, in terms of the first go-round with, with KD. Um, but I think that in the second go-round, Paul George, Paul George was just hurt. And I think that you saw that Russ could still perform at optimal performance while also kind of essentially letting the number one player be the number one player. But if the number one player got a torn leg, man, there ain't really anything you can do when you've been spending the whole season trying to be the number two so that way you can let this guy shine and then his labors get torn and he can't do the same thing he was doing before. So I don't necessarily think it's an IQ thing with him. I just think that he he has that Jordan mentality. He just can't shoot. So when you can't shoot, you shouldn't be shooting no shots. And so more times really than why are you shooting um, those shots? I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean yeah, but I mean, but also he's one of the people that that are the best at getting to the rim in the NBA. So so I personally don't think he should necessarily be shooting those shots. But I don't think that he shouldn't be shooting at all. If that makes sense. If I can inter, if I can interject here, I don't think any team has committed to. I don't. I don't. I don't think any team has fully committed to Russell Westbrook's success until the Houston Rockets this year. If you're the Thunder and you know this about Russell, why the hell are you sticking him in the backcourt with Andre Robertson? That don't even make logical sense. Why the hell are you putting Melo on the team? Why the hell is Stephen Adams there? You know, if you know Russ can't shoot, then that means you should. Adams there for rebounds. Adams is there for rebounds. Yeah, but you could find you a three and uh, like uh, like center who could hit threes and rebounds, or at least shoot the ball and rebound. You could find that. Like I don't think any team fully committed to Russell Westbrook's success until this year. You even see it in his shooting percentages. He's shooting better from the field than he ever has in um um in his life. Why? Because there's space on the court. He doesn't have to shoot. Now I can drive. He had to shoot in in OKC because who else was gonna shoot the ball? Somebody got to shoot the ball. Who else was going to shoot the ball? It had right. no more shooting. It had him and PZ. That was only shoot. That was, PZ was the only shooter on the team. Terrence Ferguson is probably the best one. Terrence Ferguson and, and Nader, and then they had Anthony Murrow at first, probably the best other shooters. And Murrow and Nader don't really play like that. Who else is going to shoot the ball? So, again, right. I think that I think that OKC didn't fully commit to his success. I just thought that after KD left, they put a team on the court that could make the playoffs and be exciting. But I don't think that they fully committed to Russell Westbrook's success and maximizing and getting the best out of Russell Westbrook. And I think that even what he did with a team that wasn't tailor made for him, in my opinion, is incredible. And that'll get lost as time goes on. Okay. All right. Yeah, I, I believe it will get lost as time goes on. But you guys got Carl Malone over Charles Barkley, though. I'm still kind of stuck on this one. Where's Chuck two MVPs? How many points yeah, well, Chuck got? Come on. Come in, Chuck, I agree. One of, those, one, of, one of those MVPs might be uh, kind of – you know, kind of a gift. 99, he still got it? Yeah, he they still got basketball. it. He, he still, he still got it. Somebody else could have won it. He got it. But I'm, uh, I don't know if I'm giving uh, – I don't know if I'm giving – How many all defense teams Chuck make? I don't think none. Chuck no. literally yeah, said that he paid me to play defense. Check, 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 check out one, and he did the most with the least. Of, of all the superstars that we named, winning the MVP, playing power forward at six, four and a half is amazing. Yeah, yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not. I can't go Carl over over Barkley, but um, I thought that was a good question. Um, Carl Malone scored thirty-eight thousand thirty. What? How many thousand points? Is it? Yeah, 30, he, how did. Many? he did. He had John Stockton though. Like that's like. Okay, know, we. He, he, had best, with, he had the best well, six man in the game for. His I whole understand career. that, and I personally think John Stockton is underrated so much. I want to fight yeah. people when they when they talk about John Stockton, but also John Stockton had him too. 
okay, fair, but John Stockton was the one bringing it up and then making the – you have to make the pass and make the – And it ain't so. like that. Hold on, hold on. And, 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 and also, it ain't like that Phoenix team was, was the void of talent. You had no, Thunder You had Kevin Johnson. Kevin Johnson, who having the double-double mad years. Thunder Dan, who was a good defensive player and also a great shooter. How you how you want to get one final they, out of that? What, what did they do before Barkley got there? I'll leave it at that. What did they do? Made the playoffs. Made the playoffs. Made the playoff, but Barkley took him over the hump right there. I mean, I mean, oh, come what on. Hump? They lost. <laughs> well, he took him to the finals. How about that? What? And uh, they, he, wait, hold on, wait. Didn't they, they, they did they next year? And that and that was and that was and that was his MVP year, by the way. The year he took them to the finals. So didn't they lose a three one lead the next year? Or am I tweaking? To the Rockets? Didn't that happen? It it did happen, yeah. Yeah. So what the hell? I mean still they, so how good was that team that he took to the finals the year before? Good. You just was giving everybody praises. You just was giving Dan Martin Thunder Dan and Everybody else praises for for that being a great team, but then they lose it, turn around and lose the next year. I mean, you don't get no fault in that. Yeah, I mean, he was on the team. He was on the team. So Chuck is absorbed of all blame in this. I oh, love no, I'm Chuck. not Hooper, he, but come on. Mm, that's, a, that's, a stretch, that's a stretch there. I, I can't. I, a me stretch. personally. Yeah, me personally, I think Chuck was better than Carmelo. Carmelo right. put up great numbers. But I mean, he had a, he had an assist man. He had the greatest assist man in in, in basketball. So the greatest assist man had him too. Okay, so that so, so that was a good pairing there. But I, I don't know. I think I think Barkley kind of got the most adversely impacted by the Bulls' run, in my opinion. In my opinion, that's fair. Um, do you guys think that the Bulls could have won had Jordan not retired the first? Hell time? no. Do you think they couldn't have beat? Uh, Houston, they couldn't have beat Houston. Houston, Houston, and the team had their number. Uh, I personally don't think they would have beat Houston. Reason being is because um, Ewan ain't her king, right? Like the I'm Bulls got away with sticking. Ewan, yeah. The Bulls got away with sticking Cartwright on Ewan. Hakeem averaging forty on that man. Yeah, yeah, and he played defense too. So, well, Ewan didn't really play defense. I mean, he was a big man. He just didn't play. He he wasn't a king. I agree. I I agree with you there. What about you, Tom? Well, personally, I think that they wouldn't have won because I think that the lockout really is is a, is a thing that kind of makes things a little. Well, no, tough. I think, no. I was talking about the the eight the eight in a row, but then in, in '99, I was to come come back around to that. So you don't think they would have won in '99 too? No, I don't think they would have won in '99. I don't think they would have won at any time without him. I'm just going. I'm just being honest. I think that he is the he is the greatest equalizer in sports other than Tom Brady. And without him it's not the same. Period. So no, but if they come back if they come back as a complete as unit in, in ninety nine, yeah, but I mean, yeah, could but they it, beat the Knicks? No, I don't think I don't think I think they could have beat the Knicks, but I don't think that they would have won the finals. I think that I think that them beating the but them beating the Knicks like that's smooth, but if you don't win the championship, like they said when they won seventy three and or seventy two and ten, it don't mean a thing without the ring. So, like, yeah, you could beat the Knicks, fine. Like Pat was on his last leg, great. But after that, like, you're getting washed by the Spurs. You're getting washed. Greg Popovich is not going. He's not taking that air. He's going to take Michael Jordan out the game, and especially if Dennis ain't there or Scotty ain't there, 
or Steve ain't there or guys that he trusts ain't there and it's a new squad, it's not happening. And I love Michael Jordan. I love the Bulls, but I just don't think that that would happen. I think we would have been – I think it ended the way it should have. Mm, interesting. So, you, so you're not mad at uh, Kraus and, and Reinstorf for not bringing them back? I mean, I mean, as a fan, I'm mad. But as a person who looks back on history and thinks, man, that was the perfect ending, that was the perfect ending to me. Mm. All right. Cleveland, you agree with these guys? You know, I think 95 would have been their biggest problem. I think in 94, they probably could have got it. But I think 95 with the coming of uh, Shaq and Penny, and especially with the exodus of Horace Grant, with them having not replaced him with Rodman at that point, I think mm-hmm. that would have been tough to do. Um, mm-hmm. And then, like my man is saying, um, in 99, with the strike shortened season, um, and not really fully understanding what team would have come back. If they all would have came back, you know, you give them 50-50 chance of winning it. But bringing all of them back would have been extremely difficult to do. I think Chris was kind of alluding to that. And Mike just was like, everybody just would have played for, you know, peanuts and chocolate cane. That's just, not, that's just not real. He did say, and Mike did say, he would have, he would have played. He would. How you know that, Mike? Yeah. How you know that, Mike? <laughs> and and, and Scotty and Scotty Pippen is already coming off the seven-year, eighteen million dollar contract. Dude, I don't think so, man. He mm. said, "Yeah, I could have called Scotty and convinced. No, you couldn't have. No, you couldn't have, no, Mike. Well, he, he knows Scotty was going to listen to him. Apparently, to most of what he was, what he told him." So guys, so Thomas, Pavy, I don't think we had this discussion of who mm-hmm. the goat was, in your opinion. I don't think we ever actually de- debated that. Um, who is your goat? My goat so is Michael Tommy, Jordan. My yeah, goat is Michael Jordan. I know Pavy gonna be like, well, you know, I really can't say that anymore. I gotta say it depends on the errors, but Michael Jordan is the goat. I'm sorry. Um, LeBron can't be the goat. You can't be the goat. When you got more losses in the finals than you got wins, how how are you the greatest at something when you lost more than you won when you got to the point of being the best, not rocking with it? Um, personally, yes, I do hate the discussion. Um, I think that it's it's just hard to compare different time periods. Not that you have to do it by errors, but if I had to pick one person, I pick a Michael Jordan. Reason being is because when you look at what he did for the game, and I think you know his name is bigger than basketball. Um, I think that you know when you're good at anything, they say you're the Michael Jordan of that. So I think that he's one of the people that are just so far beyond the sport and just even looking at what he did for the game of basketball. Um, I don't think anybody comes close. I think on the court, people can come close. And you could say a Kareem, um, say somebody old might say Bill Russell, you know, somebody who grew up on LeBron might say LeBron. But when you just take it off the court and look far beyond basketball, see what he did for the game of basketball, it's Michael Jordan. Uh, so, Cleveland, does this end the discussion? I mean, would this, do you get a clear understanding now? With these guys talking about it, um, who's the best ever to play the game of basketball? Uh, no, he made, he makes a very valid point, and it, it's one hundred percent true. If you're looking at the complete um, perspective of the entire game and the impact on the world and the game of basketball, it's Michael Jordan every day, all day. If you're talking about on the court and you're talking about what player would I want to have, living or dead, to start my franchise with, 
it will be Kareem every day, all day. Oh, wow, that's a, I think that's the first time I heard that out of you. No, it's not, man. No, it's not. No, it's not, man. No, it's not even the first time out of me. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just being real. I mean, if you're talking about the global impact and the impact on carrying the sport to a whole other levels and pop culture and just the social economic impact of what Michael Jordan brings to the game, there, there, there is no equal. But when you're talking about actual, like, who, what is the one player that I want to start my franchise with, living or dead, it's got to be Kareem in my mind. I mean, that, that definitely depends on the era because a big man is not even a, a facet in today's game. Um, but Kareem That's had the, fine, but, but, he, he but, had the, but if you still put someone with the most unstoppable shot in the history of the game on the court, I think he scores 40, 45 points a game in this era. Seven feet two inches tall, and they had to change the rules of basketball for competitive balance because of Kareem. They yeah, never had to do that. You're talking about years ago before the, the talent is what it is. I don't think that 45 is a wild number, by the way. 40, 45 is an outrage. I don't know yeah. about 45, but yeah. you put a bucket, though. Okay, so, bucket James, so, so James Harden scores 35 a game, right? You, yeah. you don't think Kareem can, can score five or ten more points than that? No. With no. Nobody yeah, to no. 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 He's no. double every single game and is right. averaging 27.7. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. No. Yeah. Not even close. Not yeah. even close. I mean, he, he, he has a shot that can't be stopped. I mean, adverse, you know, just shooting threes. Hopefully you're hitting 40% if you're really, really good. I mean, that's not the same thing. Yeah, no. I'd be yeah. willing to bet $100 Maryland Noel could block one in shot. Relax, 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 <laughs> relax, 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 relax. I'm not relaxing. Relax. I'm sure Kareem relax. got shots blocked before. Nero's Not no one can do it. Relax. Nero's no one can do it. He said Nero's do well. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Please tweet that after we get off. Mr. Robinson is sending that. Oh, that's a good I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. I'm going to tweet it right now. I what mean, I don't know. What y'all want to tweet? I'm sure Nero's Noel can get a block on Kareem. Yeah, let's do it. Send his guy <laughs> and say, can say if Kareem played today, Nerlens Noel sending his guy sending his guy hook. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know about that. I, I mean, I don't know that he's going. He's not. He's not scoring forty five. He's not scoring forty five. But he he had an unstoppable shot. I, the game is the game is so bit different today than when he played and he was doing All right, game. let's get ready to make people mad. If Kareem <laughs> played today, dot dot dot, guys like Nerl and the Will sending his guy <laughs> oh, oh, Wow. <laughs> Clickbait for real. That's not clickbait. I literally just said it. I literally just said it. All we want on our he, show is if you if you if you mean it, you gotta tweet it. Like if okay. you say it, you can't just say it if you don't if you're not gonna tweet it because then I mean you just saying it as a hot take. I mean that. And he's gonna be playing the Rose Noel with like a random like Wednesday in OKC and Earl Noel gonna smack that shit and send it into like the fourth row. And we're gonna be like, did Earl Noel just block the king a lot? I mean I'm sorry. I'm sorry, my bad my bad. Kareem shot. Oh, what? 
And, and plus, so, so another reason he's not going to score 45 is he only shot 72% from the line. So, I mean, eventually they're going to be hacking Kareem um, because it's just not. Wow, you act like seventy-two percent is like it's not. It's not fifty. It's yeah, not fifty-two percent. But still, again, it, yeah, that's what Kareem was fighting people because he didn't like to. He didn't. He didn't like to get fouled. So I think he, there were some reasons he wouldn't. He wouldn't uh, come up with forty-five a game. Just, uh, just to talk about that. So the, the, I'm interested to know what that what that tweet response you get. And hopefully, hopefully you, t- you tagged us on it. Oh, trust me. No, no, I didn't tag you. What you want me to tag you into that? No, man, just uh, I'll, I'll reply in the comments. And, and yeah, please, 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 please. I will, I will, I will. If it go viral, I will pin, you, I will pin your podcast episode underneath it so that way they can hear it and be like, oh, he didn't just tweet that for no reason. He actually meant it. Uh, fellas, as always, man, appreciate you guys. I love you guys. I miss you guys, actually, man. Going to Staples Center, man. talking shit, man. Um, man, me too, man. Good times, good times. It's great to have you guys on. By the way, if basketball happens next week or next month, how soon are you guys getting to the stadium? I mean, as soon as they let they us open in. that motherfucker up, when they let us in. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think they're gonna be letting us in. Though. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna tell all the Negroes, uh, uh no. Uh, be in there with a smooth mask on, in the table with a smooth mask on, coming in the game. Mask I am gloved too. up. Mask, mask, gloved up. mask and gloved up. I'm going. Whatever I need, whatever test I need to take, I'm taking it. I'm yeah, there. I ain't missing this. Yeah, I'll tell you guys, man. Because there ain't going to be no fans there. So literally, it's going to be like watching an open gym. Yes, I'm there. Yeah, that's going to be good. So that's going to be so cool with uh, No, 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 no. It's not even that. You know me, Cam. When I be at the games, I don't be caring about other media members seeing me. When I see somebody do something else, I be like, holy shit. You know what I mean? So I can imagine like a, it's like an open gym and Kawhi just dunk on somebody. I might run out of my seat. They're going to hit me from all the way up there. They're going to be like, oh, my God. I'm like, what? <laughs> and Doc going to tell you to settle down? <laughs> or not? I heard you post game. I heard you post game. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> hey, man. Um. Yeah, man, as soon as we can get in there, fellas, I'm trying to get down there myself, man. So keep keep up the good work, fellas. Once again, Pavy, where can they find you on SoundCloud? Uh, SoundCloud, Pavy, but you can, but, but you can go to my website, paverb.com, P-A-V-E-R-B-S.com. All right, Thomas, and then shout out all your seven to eight shows you got going on. Um, Yeah, man, you can, ch- uh, you can check out the Shooting Shot show every Friday night on YouTube.com slash Hoops and Brews. Check out Hoops and Brews every week. It's available usually on Monday night. Um, we're also going to, you know, continue to try to do two episodes in a week. We got our 200 episode coming up. We're going to shoot that on Friday on Pappy's birthday. Um, so that's going to be amazing. We're going to do a Zoom link where we're going to share with all our fans so that way they can come in, they can join us. Um, and as always, um, you can check out the Happy Hour Show. We're going to get back to doing that where we just drink beer talk. And make sure you check out tpjtv.com. Thank you, Cam. I appreciate it. Both of you guys, has been amazing. Great conversation. Yeah, talk to you guys soon, man. Appreciate your time, and uh, we'll, we'll be in touch. Hey, fans. One thank you guys for tuning into our Voice of the Fans podcast, as you do each and every week. We appreciate the love. Please make sure to tell a friend, to tell a friend, to tell a friend about our show. Additionally, I'd like to ask that you guys subscribe to our Voice of the Fans YouTube page. Go to YouTube, type in Voice of the Fans, hit the subscribe button. What you're going to find there is a lot of exclusive content. 
interviews between Greg Popovich and myself, Scott Farrell, Sports Talk host, and myself. You're going to hear my conversation with Emmett Smith. Hear why he tells me to go do some research. You're also going to see my interview with Jim Brown, legendary Jim Brown. You're going to see my interviews with Eric Dickerson. You're going to see my interview with Terrell Davis. Hear why Terrell Davis says that Broncos running system was not a system. Hear his explanation of that. Once again, Voice of the Fans on YouTube page. Check it out. Again, tell a friend to tell a friend because we appreciate that love. Thank you guys for tuning in. And as always, thank you for making our voice your choice. All right, fans. What a fantastic segment that was with the guys, Hoops and Brews, Thomas and Pavy. Man, they've got great content each and every week or each and every day they come up with different stuff, man. So make sure you guys check those guys out, Hoops and Brews on IG.com, on YouTube. They got good stuff. Cleveland, man, talk to me about what's up with this Russell Wilson trade rumors. Try to legitimize this for me. Absolutely. Um, short and sweet. Mm-hmm. No player in any sport is untradeable. So if someone wants the asset that you have, you're obligated to listen. If they don't come with you, if they don't come to you with a Monte Cristo type offer, and you think you have a Monte Cristo type player, and when I say Monte Cristo, I mean a satchel full of gold, basically, then you just say no. But to say that, like, I'm under no circumstances trading this player, you're doing your franchise your organization is the service. So you're obligated to listen. And whether they come with something that's legitimate, it's up to them. And what you feel is legitimate, up to you. But you have to listen. So when people Come say you, you, you should feel disrespected because of that. Let me cut you off. Maybe you've been in quarantine a little too too much. I haven't even been it's been over a year. Not, not quite over a year. It's been close to ten months since I've been up there in the northwest. And when I get up, when I get up in the northwest, I I often take a take a ride uh, down I five. And when I get I'm just south of downtown, I look over and I see the the open air building, and it says Century Link on the field. You know, there's one dude who plays in that field. There's one dude keeping that team alive. One. His number is number three. His name is Russell Wilson. He's the reason. I think he is the, if he's not the highest paid, he's close to the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. He is untradeable for the Seattle Seahawks. And as you mentioned, obviously, if a team wants to give you seven draft picks for the next seven years, you kind of have to consider that. But anything short of that, Cleveland, is preposterous. And I don't know how you're defending John Snyder, Pete Carroll, even leaking this, leaking this rumor that they were entertaining offers for Russell Wilson. As I hear it, they, they were seeking offers for Russell Wilson. And then they were seeking the number one draft pick to draft the quarterback of the Buffalo Bills? Are you freaking kidding me? This, I think, is the, the height of 
being full of yourself. I, I can't even think of the guy's name. Um, I wanted to say Jake uh, Lossman. Josh Allen. Josh, you wanted to trade the number. You wanted to trade for the number one draft pick to draft Josh Allen, who I think has a 50, 55 completion rating. Are you freaking kidding me? This had had Pete Carroll done that, that that was his his way of saying I'm done I'm done in Seattle. I mean, had had he actually made that move, that would have been him telling the rest of the league without telling them I'm done in Seattle. I, I I'm tired of the ch- clam chowder and the and the salmon. I'm like get me back to Southern California, because come on, how preposterous would that have been? Even to is is preposterous to hear it now. I can't believe you're defending this. But if there's anybody in the NFL that's untradeable, it would be Russell Wilson at this time, at, at this stage in time. I don't mean – how are you defending this, sir? Okay, so first off, I'm not defending trading Russell Wilson. You, you certainly are. I'm defending – what I am defending is listening to trade offers because no player is untradeable. What's the guy saying? Number three, your quarterback, that guy, that short guy who's behind center. If they allude to the quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks, you got to hang up the phone. What are you talking about? You have to listen. You have to say, so so what are you talking about? Oh, uh, uh, second this year and a third next click. Uh, Two seconds and then a, a fourth click. Again, four first, four first rounders, two second rounders, and a third rounder, and I'm the Cleveland Browns. Man, you got to listen. Cleveland Browns, there's a reason they're throwing their they're they're throwing the house at you. Exactly. There's and so, if you're going to be getting those kind of picks with a team like that, like, oh wow, okay, well that's different. Hmm. Hmm. Let's think about it. Man, I can't. I, my thought process is hang up the damn phone. I don't know what you, I don't know how you're defending this. And again, if Pete Carroll, I, I'm ashamed of Pete Carroll for even let, allowing this to leak. Number one, I'm ashamed. Yeah. And, and where are you coming with this, this is Pete Carroll, John Schneider leaks? This is, this is not leaks from them. It's like somebody else. Obviously, if they had they, they had their druthers, they would this wouldn't be public knowledge. This would just be part of just doing business. Running a franchise, you wouldn't, you wouldn't come up with every trade opportunity that's ever been presented to them. It was just one that again clickbait that people want to like hear about, and it's kind of controversial because it gives you the impression that they have some notion of trading their franchise quarterback, which they never ever did. But the Cleveland Browns called with the number one pick in the draft and maybe some more picks. Are you interested? And the answer was no. So it was, it's kind of an open and shut case, but you're you're acting like, wow, you shouldn't even be obligated to even pick up the phone and even see what they what they're talking about, which is crazy. No, you listen to you listen to somebody say if we were interested in number fourteen, he had a good season. Is he is he available? You listen. You listen when they say. Um, that linebacker you got, number 55, uh, we like what he's doing out there. You listen. You listen. 54. 
But I hear what you're saying. You no, listen, you listen, you listen, but what you're saying, but what you're saying is that when you call the Seahawk hotline, you should be like, oh, and by the way, number three is not available. So if that's why you're calling, don't call and just hang up the phone. No, <laughs> if, if if they allude to number three, if they allude to that short guy who who throws the ball around, that short guy who scrambles around and and, and okay, players, right? If they, if and once and once and once they say once they say okay, so what are you talking about? Um, we got a second and a third click. No, 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 no. no just no, hang no. up. Again, they have to bring the house just for me to even have a conversation. Like I, I might okay, need, I, okay, I, I right. But 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 you have to have the conversation in order to hear the opportunity to get the house. What you're saying is what you're saying is you don't even answer the phone if you're calling about that thing. I need some cash consideration just even to to pick up the phone. <laughs> okay, but, but how, how would how would you know that if they if they never pick up the phone? Like, how would you even know what they were willing to do? I really don't even care to know. Really, for real. Okay. As, okay. As, so, so then, so then, in your mind, some players are untradeable. Then, some players are untradeable. Number okay. and start and starting with number three for the Seattle Seahawks. I and you get, and and you got Eric Dickerson's phone number. Call him and ask him that question. I might, I might have to have this conversation. What do, you, what do you do? What, what do you do with this guy? And he has to be untouchable. I can't believe you're defending this. I, I cannot believe that you defended this. But okay. Let's talk about this proposed plan that the league was dancing around to incentivize teams for hiring minority coaches. Um, we saw this lasted, you know, a, a couple days over the weekend. What's your thoughts on how preposterous this idea was? And then do you have a plan to where that would work? Um, how, how would you improve the Rooney rule? Uh, yeah, I wasn't a fan. Um, I thought that it was kind of like, you know, cash under the table, almost kind of a feel to it. It's like, we'll give you some extra picks if you hire a minority coach. It's like some weird kind of bonus incentive for doing it. And so then you, you just have a bunch of teams that are just doing it just so they get the pick and then they don't really have any you know really serious inclination of keeping the coach but you know yeah I'll hire the coach for giving me a third pick and if she got great great if not I'll just fire him next year I mean it was just it, it had so many holes in it. it was just it was kind of insulting I felt um, to kind of have to use those type of tactics and motivation to get you to interview more minority candidates for head coaching and GM jobs. It just it just seemed like it was really phony to me. Um, and again, even with that type of incentive, billionaires make their decisions based on what they want to do. And a third-round pick is not enough motivation to not sign who you want to sign, if that's who you want to sign. I think um, I think you hit the nail on the head right there. Billionaires are accustomed to not being told what to do. So to kind of change their mindset, um, that's a difficult task in itself. 
unfortunately, people, you and I even, we hang around and make decisions and make deals with people we like. We know we like and that kind of we're familiar with and kind of look represent us and represent our, our ideals. And unfortunately, there's not enough ownership, minority ownership, that would allow minorities, not only blacks, but just minorities in general, to penetrate or permeate the ownership staff, GMs, the head coaches. And that's where we're at. Unfortunately, I, I don't know. The incentivized plan, I it was um, – I applaud them for their thought process, but you can't reward – you can't incentivize teams for making that decision. Hopefully, as the years continue to progress, some of those ideals – of minorities not being wise enough, sharp enough, capable enough will relax and they will be getting more chances, more opportunities, and that's what the ruling rule ultimately was supposed to do. However, it is ultimately the owner's decision. And you can't fault the owner for wanting to make decisions based on how they feel. So it's it's an uphill battle that they have to face and what I think should be there should be a um, no understanding that owners are going to hire who they want to order owners are going to hire who they want to hire I should say um, to be have some coaching certification course um, I guess that's the only kind of way to level a playing field, if if you can call a playing field level with the owners kind of making, having total autonomy to do what they want to do because it's their team. But there need to be more official certifications. So to say that Matt Rule just can't come from college football and be appointed one of the highest paid coaches in NFL or a la Cliff Kingsbury last year. I mean, there should be some kind of process before you become a coach. Maybe coach, maybe it's coaching in the NFL three years before you're qualified as a coach. Maybe it's uh, getting a, at least one year under your belt before you get qualified as a coach. So some of these coaches, so that narrows the pool and then that more coaches who have that tenure get the opportunities. Um, I'm just kind of spitballing here, but I think that's kind of the best way to go about it. But then again, I understand the owner, the new owner of the Panthers say, I want to hire who I want to hire. I shouldn't have to pick somebody who's been in this pool for, you know, X amount of years or what have you, whatever the case may be. But I, I don't know how to kind of make it fair for not only minority coaches, but all coaches who've been in the loop and who's been trying to make something happen. Your thoughts on that? 
Um, I think that's a, a tough criteria to judge people on um, because then you're factoring a lot of things in with regards to people's successes and failures. Um, and then you're trying to project it across an entire league. So that's, that's a very difficult thing to do. Um, you can kind of you know, recommend certain people. I think um, that might be kind of a, a way to go. Like, you know, kind of given our, you know, the way that we assess things, we think that these might be like the top five candidates. Kind of like, you know, you have your top five prospects in any, you know, respective sport. And this is who we think are the top ones and why. I mean, I, I think if there was something kind of like that, then it may give minority folks a little bit more of an opportunity because they kind of start out from a position of strength. Adverse, you just kind of go in and interview. You know, a lot of and a lot of coaches, you know, minority coaches especially, a lot of times that they that's kind of why the Rooney Rule was put into place initially is because so many minority coaches didn't. <clears throat> have an opportunity to even go through the process to even know what it is that they wanted to hear and why they wanted to hear it and what made this candidate stronger than this candidate. And so kind of having an opportunity to kind of go through that, they understood it and it's like, okay, I didn't get it this time, but next time I am way more prepared and I'll be better for it. But like you're saying, and you know, so I can be told what to do. And when your team is two and fourteen, and you're this and that, and the fan base is turning on you, a lot of times owners want to do something dramatic and create a big splash. And this guy wanna, you know, turn a zero and twelve program at Baylor around to twelve and zero. You know, <laughs> it's like okay, well, no, this is how it is. Okay, do that, you know, it's like, yeah, like a three-year career, okay, because it really built a, you know, a sustainable program. But then again, who's to say, you know? A was a yeah. genius. He got a team to Super Bowl. Nick Saban tried to bring his talents back to the NFL. Yeah. Grown-ass people don't like getting yelled at and talk to, like, little four-year-olds, and your system doesn't work at this level. Right, You right. never thought that, right? So it's like, it's, you know, you, you deal with personalities, you're dealing with personnel, you deal with, you know, different fits, and this and that, but I think the problem is is that you just don't really have a, an opportunity to, you know, to kind of, compare you know, to make an apples to apples comparison when it comes to coaches and so you're just kind of going on feel a lot of times and certain successes that they've had with certain players and running certain systems and you know certain environments and once you get to the Detroit Lions it may not you know translate the same as when you were doing it with the New England Patriots you know what I'm saying well yeah I think there's a there's a lot of moving pieces in there um but uh, I, again, I applaud the NFL for acknowledging the issue. It's just the uh, the incentive plan didn't work. It wasn't a great, well thought out process. But I again, I applaud them for acknowledging the issue, and um, and hopefully they're going to be working on something different. 
Uh, who, with that being said, the NFL, you know, we, I'm pretty confident the NFL will be back in full action by the time the season starts. And who do you think will be the next Monday night football team in the booth? Or who would you like to see as the next team in the booth? You know, ESPN has taken uh, some swings and thrown a lot of money around and get, you know, towards some people they thought would be great personalities. And, you know, they've unfortunately been, been turned down by a few of those. And um, I think it's a little uncertain as to who we're going to see. Um, I think they're kind of leaning towards uh, Lewis Riddick and maybe, uh, you know, Steve Levy is kind of, the tentative uh, team that I've kind of heard thrown around. Um, I think that they thought that they just were in a situation where they couldn't do any worse. Yeah. And they could, they could do quite a bit better um, if they got the right combination in there. But, you know, I, I think that they were lucky to hit pay dirt with Gruden. Um, you know, he resonated with the fans. He had good personality, charisma. They gave him his own little TV show and all that. And well, listen to you giving Gruden some credit. Listen to you give Gruden some credit or something. As far as being entertaining, is uh, you know, for commentating on Monday Night Game, absolutely. Yeah. Mm, okay. And that it stops right there. Huh? The the buck stops right there, quote unquote. I thought he had. I thought he had a very, very, very good team in with the Raiders. The Tuck Rule kind of, you know, get him in. Um, I thought that he got the Tampa Bay Bucks job when they just needed to have less discipline. I, I that's 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 the wrong way to say it. Not less discipline, but not so much empathy for what their coach thought about them because they are football players. And Tony Dungy kind of creates an environment where, you know, how much he cares about you, so you don't want to let him down. You don't want to be a bad person, but Wait, football are players saying, are football players. Are you, so, saying that coaching, are, are you saying that coaching matters? Is, is that what I'm hearing? Sam, I've always said coaching matters. I've, I've, I've explained in the order of, professional sports in North America, which sports coaching matters the least, which is the mm. NBA. Mm. Mm. Okay. And then try to clean that up. That's, that's pretty nice. Um, but in what, what about football, Pat, you know, they, what, what about Pat, Pat McAfee in the booth? I don't know anything about punter. Yeah. Yeah. The former punter. Yeah. Have you heard, have you heard him on the, his podcast? I believe he has a morning show, pretty comical. Um, what do you think about uh, uh, Shannon, uh, uh, Shannon Sharp in the booth? No. No? No. Okay. All right. Um, well, let's take a little break here, Mr. Cleveland, Mr. Excitement there. And uh, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about some ram- random topics about football or sports coming back here and again in Southern California. And then we're gonna, I want to get Cleveland's top 10 coaches in the NFL today. That's what I'm interested in talking about. So we're going to get have some random sports um, random sports topics when we come back, and then we're going to get Cleveland to admit that coaching matters in the NFL. Let's take a break here.
I know it's gonna hurt you to admit. I know it hurts you to come up with a list of coaches and their impacts, right? I mean, this list you got is kind of laughable. So I can't wait to get to it. Now your list is super fucking laughable, man. I thought you were like rebuttal shit, man. Those guys ain't won Super Bowls, huh? God, you had Vrabel on there and somebody else ridiculous. He's like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> you just, I swear you just jumped on the Tennessee Titans bandwagon for the last six seasons, six weeks of the year last year. I, if I didn't know you. Bro, eight, 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 eight of the ten coaches on my list have won the Super Bowl. Oh, my goodness. Oh, okay, okay. We're going we're gonna to get to that. Uh, guy. And coach the franchise for for you know eight to ten years. We're we're, we're gonna get to that. We're gonna Ability. To, we're, we're gonna get. To, we're gonna get to that. Accountability. Uh, Organization. Yeah, uh, Sean Payton like eight or nine. Like, come on, man. Are you kidding? Uh, he was fifth, actually. He, he, no, he he's he a passive chance away from being in the Super Bowl. He's that fluke ass play. Uh, the year before that, for being too vocal, he's a. Uh, and I'm not a great big Sean Payton fan, but I mean, damn, dude. I mean, like, how many games do you have to win? <laughs> well, we're going to get there. So, uh, so hold your horses. Hold your horses. All right, let's do this in five. Three. Two. All right, Cleveland, welcome back, man. This has been a long show, a long, fun show, interesting show. I'm getting fans, we're getting Cleveland caught up on this coaching versus players deal, and it, it is eating him to, eating his heart out to admit that coaches do, do make a difference. You hear him getting sensitive over here. So uh, we're going to talk about that in a minute. But first, as always, every week I want to talk about kind of this week in history and um, what some of the world has been going through, man. Cleveland, way back in 1792, Denmark decided they weren't going to abolish slavery, the slave trade back in 1792, man. So this has been going on for quite a while. 1957, Schools desegregated back in the Brown versus Board of Education. That was back in 1957, where against the unity between um, blacks and whites can go to the same school. Uh, it took a you know all about that if you've read any books or seen any movies about what's going on in the South. You know about that. Um, February 20, 1704. Elias Newell founded a school for slaves in New York just to help educate them. So it took 92 years for them, or excuse me, was that 88 years for Denmark to finally abolish slavery. But back New York was opening up schools to help educate the slaves. In In 1917, the first American drafted uh, the first black American, I should say, Leo Pinkney, was drafted into the World War. So that was pretty interesting. Trayvon, I'm, 
I'd like to hear your opinion, man. But you heard the excitement from my guys earlier about sports may opening up here in June in in the state of California. What's the word up there in the in the state of Washington? What, what's the outlook up there? Is it bleak, or are you guys just as excited as us? Um, I, I think that we are cautiously optimistic. Um, at the same time, um, you know, I, I think that it's difficult to assess what the, what the fallout would be from from that from opening up too soon, but. Um, I think, you know, the country as a whole probably needs to see what would happen if they did. I think the unknown is is, uh, is definitely eating at people, and, and they just want to see what's going to happen. What that's going to be, um, I'm a little bit more on the pessimistic side of things. I think initially uh, it will create quite a spike, and... Um, coronavirus incidents. Mm. Um, I think we have to do it at some point, and I would prefer it be a little bit later than sooner, but, you know, I think there's a lot of economic pressures involved, and they're going to do it. So we we know baseball might be the furthest away right now because of the labor dispute that, that they're currently having. But let's just say for uh, shit to grin that the Mariners start season jet July 1 and games start with fans available. How soon do you go to a game? Two to three months. So you're not going to a game until October? I am not going to a game until they have um, a much more extensive um, body of work with which to kind of make it an analysis. So I'm not going to the first game. I'm not going to the fifth game. I'm not going to the tenth game. If after 20 games they don't see some type of significant spike in the amount of uh, coronavirus cases in the area, that are attributed to gathering at Safeco Field, then, yeah, I'm all, I'm all for it. I mean, you know, the Mariners, it's a great, it's a great venue. It's a great uh, environment when things are, you know, even when, things, even when the team's not good, it's just a great place to be. So, and not having, you know, our lifetime, we've never had, a, you know, a period of time where we've been without, any sports for this long, so yeah, I would definitely be jonesing to get to a sporting event, but at the same time, if the first game, you know, 40,000 people came and 300 came back with the coronavirus, like, okay, well, that's not for me, right? Well, I, I, think, I think it has to do a lot more with kind of the response and just kind of the effects of that many people gathering in that, you know, that type of environment. So I'm not going to be one of the first. Uh, I'm not going to be one of the second and third. I'm going to be one of those guys that, okay, so you did that for a couple of months and nothing seems significant. Okay, I'm in. Okay, interesting, interesting. Um, so you went over the last 
couple of weeks and in the next couple of weeks we're gonna be looking at different uh lists in the NFL. We looked at the top ten offices a couple of weeks ago. We looked at the top ten defenses last week. This week I wanna highlight the top ten coaches in the NFL. Now I know it's hard for you to give coaches credit. I already know that. But um you presented a list here, um, acknowledging some of the best coaches in the league. And uh, you want to share the list with the fans, or would you like me to? Uh, sure, I can take it off your hands, Cam. Uh, the one and two were the two coaches of the decade that were the coaches for the all-decade team, uh, Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll. Okay. At number three, I had Sean Payton. Four, I had Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin. And- Five, I had Andy Reid. Wait, 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 back up. You had Mike Tomlin at number four, top ten of the top ten coaches in the NFL? That's correct. All right, he, he is the second he is the second longest tenured coach in the NFL, are you aware? Well, I, that, because Pittsburgh Steelers don't <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers don't fire the coaches, that I mean that's the easy. Oh, okay, okay, and 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 the third highest in the third highest winning percentage in that same period of time. Are you aware? I think this is a little high for Mike Tomlin. You have last year's Super Bowl coach, um, a coach who's been to more Super Bowls than Tomlin. You have him behind him, right? Who's been to more Super Bowls than Mike Tomlin? Oh, Andy Reid. Just that he's been okay, so, they, so so they both been to two. Okay. Yeah. And they're both one and one. Okay. Okay. And Andy Reid, five. How many? How many championships have they been to? Oh, I don't know. Andy Andy Reid went to four NFC championships in a row. How many? How many Mike Tomlin been to? In his no. career, I, I'm I'm sure he's been to four. Uh, I, don't know. I don't have the numbers up in front of me right away. He's at least been to two because he's been in two Super Bowls, and I think he's been to two other uh, AFC championships besides that. Okay, and, and continue, continue down your list. I have John Harbaugh at six, Kyle Shanahan at number seven. Mike McCarthy at number eight, Ron Rivera at number nine, and Sean McVay at number ten. Uh, why, why do you guys McVay so low? I mean, just just curious. Like, is is that your hate body of work? He's been to one Super Bowl, and that was that was quite impressive. You do it quite so young, and, and quite so early in his coaching career. But I mean, these other coaches have quite a bit more uh, seniority. Oh, so you base your your you base your your list on seniority. Cause yeah, productivity over time, consistency have, over time. Yes, I, I consistent have, winning over time. I think Van is the number three coach in the, in the NFL right now, ahead of John Harbaugh, ahead of Pete Carroll, ahead of Sean Payton. Um, I actually have Mike Mike Zimmer, the Minnesota coach, consistency right now as as of the top ten coaches right now in the league. I have Mike Zimmer at number. Mike seven. Zimmer consistently doing what? Uh, seven. Uh, what, do you, what do you mean consistent? Minnesota has been very consistent over the last what three, four years. 
consistent, what, 10 wins in the last three or four years? Oh, wow, Tomlin three or four years? Okay, that's cool. I don't think Tomlin has um, that. How many Super Bowls? Again, we're talking about today. I'm not looking at what their what their franchise has done. I'm looking at. I'm talking about. Oh, today. okay. So what they've done in the past has has no bearing on what they're going to do yeah, today or in the future. I, I didn't say that. I said right now, today is is what I'm looking at. Right now, today, and Mike Zimmer has a history. Uh, uh, he co- his last few years, he's had Kirk Cousins as the, as the quarterback. Okay, so they they've been pretty they've been pretty solid. Variable. Vabro's coach Ryan Tannehill went to the playoffs, into the AFC Championship, um, and that Tennessee team has been growing over the last three years. And like, like that coach did in Jacksonville a couple of years ago, huh? Where, who, where's he at? Malone, Maroney. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I have John Gruden on the list. John Gruden for his work, his most recent work is in. With the Raiders, his work, his work in the booth with uh, Mike Tirico. Are we talking about? No, no, that I'm talking about that John Gruden. But his most re- recent work is getting the Raiders to the to um, playoff contention. The eight and eight. A play, they were in playoff contention last year, and then Frank Reich, also another team with who, who made the playoffs the last couple of years, and who's been hamstrung because he hasn't had um, the quarterback they drafted. They made the playoffs last year. The Colts, oh, excuse me, the Colts did not make the playoffs last year. Okay, um, okay. But, checking. but Frank Wright. So, 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 you, so just, just to be clear, you have you have three coaches on your list that did not make the playoffs last year. Gruden, who did make the playoffs? McVay? Gruden, Gruden, Wright, and, Gruden Wright and McVay didn't make the playoffs, so. Okay. 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 I, I, I was just trying to clarify as as yeah. you go down your list. Yeah, yeah. Three coaches is a big list. I guess I would take all of my coaches over Rivera, McCarthy, and Shanahan. I mean, come on, Shanahan. Shanahan blew two Super Bowls in the last two years or the last three years. Blew, blew, boom, blew it away. So how can he be a top ten coach when he does that? His offensive coordinator. Well, I guess because like one, he was a coordinator. So offensive coordinator. Count. Oh, well, okay. why, and why the other he, one. And the other he, one. He called, a, he called a player. because he's a coordinator. We say we, we're talking about the top ten head coaches. We're not. We're not talking about the top ten coordinators in the league. That that's not what the category is. We're talking about. We're talking about the head coach, which runs the entire franchise. How are you going to compare an offensive coordinator to a head coach? He called the plays. He was in charge of calling the plays. The offense. Okay, so you don't have an answer for me. Okay. No, no I don't. I just, just checking. He called. Because he called the plays. Because he called the plays. That makes that makes him a head coach. No, because that makes him responsible for blowing the lead. Is what it does. He, because he was the offensive coordinator, who all he had to do was run the ball, but he wants to pass the ball. Last in the last Super Bowl, the same exact thing. Instead of passing, instead of running the ball, he decides he wants to pass the ball. He wants to get a little too creative. So that doesn't make him a, a great coach when you blow two Super Bowls in, in the last three seasons. So, okay, right. I, I don't know. When, and, and, and it's and just completely disregard that two Super Bowl thing, and just his performance in the Super Bowl, adverse. Adding three coaches in front of him that didn't even make the playoffs. Okay, I just want to see where we were going with this. Yeah. Uh, well, again, you want to hinge it on Super Bowl bursts and Super Bowl wins. I mean, there's a lot more to. Be I'm not even talking about team. Super Bowls. I'm just talking about make the playoffs, Tony. Before you can be the conversation. 
Well, yeah, I got, I got we'll, we'll see. What you got three coaches. You got, so far, you got three coaches that have, did not make the playoffs. McVay made the Super Bowl two years ago. Number one, so he he's been in he's been in that he's been in the Super Bowl as many times as uh, your your guy Shanahan has been. Okay, we'll give okay. we'll give him an asterisk. We'll give him okay. an asterisk. Yeah. Okay, okay. Vrabel again, hamstrung coaching. That's, coaching not, that's not one of the guys. That's not one of the guys that that I mentioned that didn't make the playoffs. Oh, Zimmer again. No, who who didn't who didn't make the playoffs? Gruden and Frank Wright. And there you go, Frank Wright. Hamstrung because this guy Andrew Luck isn't there. They they were kind of in a rebuilding stage right now, but they still have they were still in playoff contention, just as as was John Gruden. So um, that qualifies. That qualifies. Okay. I would take. I, I think you would. I think you also would take Frank Wright, John Gruden, and, and ahead of Rivera and to coach the Seattle Seahawks. I think you would do that. Um, McCarthy, come on! What is McCarthy's been on? He's been watching videos the last um, two seasons, so just one year, but that's okay. Uh, he's been he's been watching film. That's what he said. He's been watching all kind of football film just to get improve his game, which I respect that. But he's been watching film for in the in the video room for the last year. I'm not sure. Even he may over over uh, stayed his time in. Green Bay. I mean, okay. Well, no, no, no respect for this eight straight playoff appearances, the Super Bowl, and NFC Championship. I, I understand. I understand that your yeah your coaching criteria is a little. It's, it's a little, but, a little but, but please continue. But please continue. Current. It's a little current, is what it is. So fans, why don't you? Uh, I'm gonna read my list. I have Bill Belichick number one, Andy Reid, Sean McVay, John Harbaugh. And then Pete Carroll at number five. I have Sean Payton, Mike Zimmer, Mike Brable, John Gruden, and Frank Wright. Cleveland's list. Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll, Sean Payton, Mike Tomlin, Andy Reid, Andy Reid way down at five, Harbaugh at six, Shanahan at seven, or excuse me, Shanahan at, at six, McCarthy at eight, Rivera. I don't mean how, how did Rivera get on the list? I mean, he's been on the list because he had a, a prime Cam Newton five years ago. McVay at number ten. That's just that's just that's, I can't say blasphemous, but that's that's a little preposterous there. To have McVay at the, down at number ten behind Harbaugh, Shanahan, McCarthy, and Rivera. That's come on, you can't be serious. That's that's coming from the Northwest. That's what that is. That's, that's being in the Northwest, I, and I and I understand that. Fans, again, it's been a long show. I want to thank you guys for tuning in. I want to thank Cleveland for hanging out with me. I want to thank the guys from Hoops and Brew for joining us. I want to leave you with this quote from the late, great Kobe Bryant. If I panic, every everyone else panics. So as a leader, you never want to panic. As a leader, when they're throwing barbs at you, as a coach, when they're throwing barbs at you, they don't agree with your list. They don't agree with your with your take, they don't believe, agree with your stance. Don't panic. Absorb it and take the shots and then keep on plunging because ultimately you're going to win. That's what I do every week with Cleveland. Just don't panic. Just remain calm. And then eventually Cleveland will come to the, round, to come to the light and say, oh, coaching does matter. So I, I like that. Fans, I want to thank you guys for 
once again subscribing to our podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in to our show. Please tell a friend to tell a friend. And as always, I want to thank you guys for making our voice your choice. Thanks for making our voice your choice.